Amen. Open your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 13, the Gospel of Luke chapter 13. Today I wonder what the response would be if Jesus, Jesus himself came to our town, if he came to Vernon and he preached the gospel. He preached his gospel. I wonder what the response would be if, if he showed up in our town and, and he said, you know what, I am your only hope. I am the narrow door that leads to salvation. And he proclaimed, you can have forgiveness. You can be forgiven. You, you can find and you can have peace with God by taking up your cross and, and by believing me, by placing your hope in me. And, and that, that his message was, through me you can be saved. And not only that, suppose that he took the scriptures, he took the Bible, and he began to walk us through them. And he said, you know what, let me, let me show you where in here it's pointing to me. And let me show you where it confirms the truth of who I am. And what if he took the scriptures and he walked us through them, showing the truth that he is the Messiah, he is the Christ. And then what if after that, what if he said, you know what, I'm, I'm not asking for a token response. I'm not asking for a nod of your head, for a tip of your hat. I'm asking in response to this for your life, for your heart to be given to me. And that's really what a faith response to Jesus Christ is. I wonder today, what do you think the response to Jesus would truly be? I do not think that it would be what we would expect. I would like to believe that hordes of people would respond. I'd like to believe that, that people, when they are confronted with the Savior, would, they would become aware of their sin and they would see how, how terrible their sin is. And, and I'd like to think they would be impressed by God's grace that here is the Savior who came to die for my sin. And they would be so impressed by His tremendous grace and that they would be drawn to His, to his preaching, to His truth. And, and I'd like to believe that there would be a tremendous response to Jesus. Oh, hearing it from Jesus that many, many people would be saved. The fact is, I'm just not sure that that would be the case. In fact, today I believe most likely it would not be the response. I've been preaching now for 11 years, been the pastor, been a pastor for just short of 10 years, and I see just in this brief amount of time a resistance to the preached word of God, a pushback and an aversion to the preached word of God. And I've seen just across this little, this little window of 11 years that, that the preaching of the word of God makes people uncomfortable. And, and as they hear that message, they understand you know what that's a costly message to abide in. And, and some of them think, you know what, that's too radical and that's gonna mess up the system that I have and that's gonna mess up some of my relationships. And very simply today, People do not want to hear it. And I believe it would be the same response, not to the preached word of God, but to the living word of God, Jesus. 
Now that sounds crazy, that sounds hard, but I want to tell you, you know what today? That has always been the truth. In fact, in our verses today, in our account today, we're going to see the exact same truth. Our message today is entitled, Go Away Jesus. Go Away Jesus. We're in Luke chapter 13 today, verses 31 through 35. Luke chapter 13 today, verses 31 through 35. As always, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 13, beginning here in verse 31. Just at that time, some Pharisees approached, saying to him, Go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I reach my goal. Nevertheless, I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next. For it cannot be that a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not have it. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. And I say to you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the living word of God. I'm thankful that through you we have the forgiveness of sin. Today we can come and in you we're forgiven. I'm thankful that in you we have hope. I'm thankful that in you we have peace with God. I'm thankful through you that we're redeemed from the curse of sin that we're purchased back from our own guilt. I come today and I worship you. I pray now as we begin to study your word, I, I pray that you would speak to us today. And I, I pray as we've gathered that you now open our ears and you open our hearts and we would, we would hear your voice through your word. And that's our intent today. Let us hear your word. Let us hear your voice. We come now and I pray that this would impact us. Just as we think, oh, being in your presence would impact us, I pray that being today in, in the hearing of your word would impact us, that we would be changed, that lost would be saved, that saved folks would grow as disciples, that, that we would have a renewed urgency and passion for you today. We come today and tell you we thank you for the fact that great is your faithfulness. We're thankful that all that we've needed, thy hand has provided. and We trust in that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Whenever I started preaching through the gospel of Luke, some now 13 chapters ago, now I'm not sure how long it's been. I believe it's been a couple months. <laughs> Carrie has it written in her Bible. I'm not sure how long it's been. I know it's been a couple of years. But, but when I started preaching through the gospel of Luke, uh, I remember the very first message, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I remember that when I started that week, when I preached that week, I remember saying, and I still have to agree today, that the greatest thing about preaching through Luke's gospel, the greatest thing about preaching through this gospel is the fact that I, through the entirety of it, am going to preach Jesus. 
that we're going to hear the truth of Jesus, that we're going to see the life and the ministry of Jesus, that we're going to hear the good news of Jesus by which we are saved. That in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, an angel said, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And then in Luke chapter 4, that that son, now a man, would, would say that I've been appointed to preach good news to the poor, and I've been sent to proclaim release to the captive and, I, and recovery of sight to the blind and to, to set free those who are oppressed and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. All of those are quotes of Isaiah concerning the Messiah. And then, then in, in chapter 4, verse 21, after he says that, Jesus hands them back the scroll. And he says, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus says to them, I am the Messiah. And, and over and over and on and on again, this is the message of Luke. This is what we're hearing, the message of Jesus Christ. Well, today, as we come to the conclusion of chapter 13, we again see Jesus. And I want to tell you, it's just as awesome today as it was that day when we first started. We again see Jesus. Today in our verses, I want us to see four truths about our Lord. Four truths about our Lord. In our verses today, we're going to see the resistance to Jesus. We're going to see the resolve of Jesus. We're going to see the readiness of Jesus. Now, that may be the most awesome of all the four points and then we're going to see the reign of Jesus. These four things today, the resistance to Jesus, the resolve of Jesus, the readiness of Jesus, and the reign of Jesus. Let's begin looking at the resistance to Jesus. Let's begin with verse 31. Just at that time, some Pharisees approached saying to him, Go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now notice the verse, verse 31 starts off and it says, just at that time. That's very important, just at that time. Now that, that time happened to be when he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. That time happened to be when he was telling them about the narrow entryway, the narrow entry point to the kingdom of God, that it was going to be through himself alone. That time, he was telling them the result of those who would miss the narrow door, those who would miss Jesus, that they would be in a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, remember, that's not a bad message. That's not a message of bad news. That is a message of good news. He is telling them that he is the Messiah, that he came to save sinners, that he is the way, that there is a door, and the door is still open. He is telling them there is still time. And that's what he is teaching them. That is what he has been preaching to them. And just at that time, they say, go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, don't be fooled by that. They weren't looking out for Jesus. In fact, they're so close to Herod that as we get to the following verses, we see that they're going to go back and report to him. In fact, he tells them to go back and report to him. No, Jesus had said to them that their system of religion, their religious system that you've set up to benefit yourselves, he has told them it is faulty. In fact, he has told them they themselves, they are, they are fraudulent, they are false. 
And he has told them very plainly that the only way to the kingdom, the only way to be saved is through the Christ. Now see that for just a second. Here they are possessing the scriptures, holding the scriptures. Here they are supposedly looking for a Messiah. Here they are claiming to honor God. And here they are in the presence of the Messiah, and yet they say to Jesus, go away, leave here. Today, I wonder how often we tell Jesus, go away. I wonder how often we tell Jesus, leave here. He says to us that to be a disciple, we have to take up our cross. He says that to be a disciple, we have to put ourselves to death daily and that we have to live in a new way and we live in His power and that we are to abide with Him and we're to be in this abiding relationship with Christ. He says to follow, to follow Him is going to be hard. He tells us that up front. It's going to be costly. He says to follow Him, you're going to be opposed to the world and it's not going to be a popular thing to follow Him. Jesus says, if you love me, then obey me. And yet obedience is not the route that we want to go. And yet obedience is not in our natural desire. We want to disobey. In fact, obedience might cause us to suffer. Obedience might cause us to hurt. And and obedience might cost us our friends. And it might cost us our, our reputation. God says that He'll bless obedience, but the world doesn't honor obedience to Christ. It's hard, it's tough, and yet Jesus says we're to obey Him. It's best for you. It's my plan for you. It's how you honor me. And I wonder how many of us say, you know what, I like the message of eternal life. Oh, I want to be saved. But not now, Jesus. Go away. Leave here. And that's what they say to Him. I ask the question, what if Jesus came? And what if he preached his gospel? What, is the, what would the result of that be? The truth is, he did it. He was in their presence and they told him, go away, Jesus. Leave here. So the first thing we see today is the resistance to Jesus. Then and now as well. The resistance to Jesus. The next thing we see is the resolve of Jesus. The resolve of Jesus. Let's begin looking at verse 32. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I reach my goal. Now, a fox was a, is a sly predator. If you know anything about a fox, he slips around. He may slip up on your, on your chicken house, but he slips around, and he's, he's not like a lion. He's not like a bear who comes in and takes what he wants, but he is a coward, and he, and he slips around, and he's covert, and then he slips up and takes his prey. Well, that's the name that he uses for him. He says, go and tell this deceitful, sly coward to take a look. That's what it means. Behold, take a look. Today, I'm casting out demons. And that is proclaiming the truth that he is the Messiah. Tomorrow he says, take a look, I'm going to be healing the sick. And that is pronouncing that he is the Messiah. And then he says, on the third day I'll reach my goal. That's pointing to the cross of Calvary. Really what he says here is is what I've been doing, I'm going to keep on doing. And what I've been declaring, I'm going to keep on 
declaring. And that's what he says in verse 32. Look at verse 33. Nevertheless, I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next day. For it cannot be that a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem. Jesus says, now remember, he's headed to Jerusalem. He's headed to the cross of Calvary in Jerusalem. Jesus says here that he's going to keep declaring who he is, verse 32. But then he says he's going to keep doing what he came to do, verse 33, going to Calvary. That's what he says. You know what I'm going to keep doing? What I came to do, verse 33. I'm going to keep saying who it is that I said that I am, verse 32. Now, the end of the verse is a slight, and it's really kind of a slam on the Jewish people. He says this, and really I believe he's trying to push their buttons. He says, you see, it wouldn't be right for a prophet to die out here. He says, no, it wouldn't be right. He needs to be in the city that was built for God's glory. He needs to be in the city that was built for God's honor. And yet, in wickedness, the city is now turned against the Messiah of God. Basically, in these two verses, Jesus says this. Listen up, guys. You go and you tell that coward and you tell anybody else for that matter, God's plan will not be stopped. That's what Jesus says. He's going to the cross. He's going to Calvary to buy the redemption of a people. And he says, you know what? My message will not be silenced. My march will not be slowed. God's plan will not be stopped. Hear me today. God's plan will not be stopped. So we see the resistance to Jesus. We see the resolve of Jesus. Again, I may believe, I believe maybe the best thing yet. We see now the readiness of Jesus. The readiness of Jesus. Look at verse 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not have it. See what is happening here in verse 34. Here is Jerusalem, the city of God. Here is Jerusalem, the city of David, the city again that was, that was built to honor God, the city that's going to house and be the residence of the temple, the city that was point to, to point to the glory of the living God. It wasn't to the gods of Egypt. It wasn't to the gods of Assyria. It wasn't to the gods of Babylon. No, this was a city built in glory of the living God. And yet for centuries now it had become perverted. And over time God has sent his word through these faithful prophets and he, he commissions these faithful prophets and he gives them his word and they're, and they're faithful and they go and they're obedient and they go and because they go they're hated and because they go they're despised and yet they, they come anyway and in their faithfulness to the message they tell the people you know what God has asked that you would repent God has directed that you would ready yourself you know what he is gracious to his people if they would repent and they come and they cry out to a wicked city it's time to turn back to God. And yet in disdain for the message, they destroy the messenger. Think about that. These people, this city, 
God in His grace and His love sends a messenger that He might proclaim, Oh, our God is gracious. Repent and turn back to Him. And in disdain for the message, they destroy the messenger. And Jesus says to those people, to those vile people, to those rebellious people, He says to those people, Oh, how I wanted to gather you together. Oh, how I wanted to gather your children. He's not talking about their literal little kids. He's talking about the offspring. He's really talking about the entire nation. Oh, how I wanted to gather you together as a hen would gather up her chicks. And oh, how I wanted to protect you and to shelter you and to show my love to you. Oh, how often I wanted to do that. And yet, you would not have it. We see here, Jesus' readiness to save. Jesus' readiness to save. Listen to me today. Hear this today. Jesus is ready to save. Jesus is willing to save. Jesus desires to save. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. The end of verse 3 says, God our Savior. Verse 4. Who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Even these vile men who killed his honorable prophets. He desires that all men will be saved. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 it says, And the Lord is patient, not wishing any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And we see here Jesus is broken hearted over these people as vile as they were. And he says, oh, that I could draw you together. Oh, that I could put my wing over you. And yet you would not have it. Get this today. Hear this today. This is the deep truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we would reject Christ, if we would die in our sins, if we would go to hell, listen to me, the fault is not on Jesus. The guilt rests not with our Savior. The blame cannot be laid on God, but only on those who would not have it. Hear me today. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to me. Though you be a sinner, yes, Though you be dead in your sin, yes. Though you be an enemy of God, yes. Though you be vile in your actions, yes. Though you be evil in your thoughts, yes. Though you be a rebel who is trampled on the grace of God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is willing to save you today. There's hope for you today. We see his readiness to save. Praise God. Fourth thing, we see the reign of Jesus. The reign of Jesus. Look at verse 35, very interesting verse. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. And I say to you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here in verse 35, very interesting verse. Jesus says, because of their rejection. Now think about that. Of all places to reject him, this shouldn't have been the place. Of all people to reject him, this shouldn't have been the people. But because of their rejection, he says your house. Now, some say that it could be the temple. I don't think it's talking about the temple. I think really it's talking about at least the city, but probably the nation of Israel. But he says your house will be desolate 
until the time comes that when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's saying here, your city will be desolate. I believe your nation will be desolate until these people, this nation worships Jesus and their hearts cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Stay with me. Some say that this happened on Palm Sunday. They would say this was fulfilled on Palm Sunday. We read that he comes there into Jerusalem and they do say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now let me just tell you, I don't believe that's true. I believe that was only partial. I believe only part of the people were saying that. For sure the Jewish leadership, they were not saying that. The religious leaders, in fact, they're somewhere plotting to kill him. And anyway, it wasn't real. Even the ones who said it on that day, a few days later, they come in unison. Nobody says anything different but crucify him. Crucify him. This wasn't true worship from the Jews for Jesus. So when does this happen? Here's what I believe. After the rapture, Jesus comes for his people. There's the tribulation, seven years. And after that, there's the second coming of Christ. Christ now comes with his people. And you go and you read that account. He comes as the king of kings. That's how he comes at the second coming. And he comes and he reigns for a thousand years, the millennial reign. And during that time, the Jews are going to see Jesus as he comes to the city of David. And they're going to see him as he reigns for the thousand years. And they're going to worship him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now that's deep. Think about that for a second. Look at Israel today. Go to Jerusalem today. It is historic. There are places of great sentiment there. There are very meaningful things there in the city, but let me ask you this. Do you see the glory and the power of the living God? You do not because it is desolate. But I want to tell you that's going to change when Jesus walks into the city as the king of kings to reign for the thousand years. What that means is this. God's plan will prevail. Did you hear that? Try to stop it. God's plan will prevail. Let's pray. Every Father, we come. And I'm thankful for the truth of these verses. I'm thankful for the, the hugeness of these verses that really we can't even, we really can't even comprehend them. But I'm thankful that you said your message wouldn't stop, your mission wouldn't stop, and you went to the cross. And in your resolve, you provided a way for me to be saved. I'm thankful that in these verses we see your willingness to save a vile people who killed your messengers, and yet you said, Oh, I would draw them into myself. I'm thankful that we see in these verses your plan will prevail. Pray that you've spoken to us today. Pray that you're speaking right now. Pray for some in this room that, that maybe you've been speaking to them, but now in the, in the hearing of your word and now in the drawing of your spirit, I pray that today they might put their faith in Jesus Christ. Pray for us as believers today that we might be encouraged by this message. We might be renewed by this message. Speak to us today as well. I ask you, God, that you would move at this time, not for me, not for a church, but for your glory, for your kingdom. 
we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.